This is the Transit Matters Podcast. Today is the 21st of June, 2016. Transit Matters advocates for fast, frequent, reliable, and effective public transportation in and around Boston. As part of our vision to repair, upgrade, and expand the MBTA, we work to change the conversation around transit issues through informed planning and critical analysis, like conversations we're having today. Uh, I'm Mark Ibunya, and I manage our communications and social media. By t- by day, I'm an IT systems administrator, and by night, I'm the Leslie Nope of transit, geeking out over transit celebrities, governance, policy, and civic engagement. Never gets old. I'm Josh Fairchild. <laughs> I'm a board member here at Transit Matters. I work as an attorney. But in my free time, I like to indulge my passion for improving communities through better development and infrastructure, specifically with regards to transit and transportation networks. And I am Scott Mullen, master engineer down here at WMBR and uh, transportation industry veteran uh, for many years over both car sharing and bike sharing and a uh, fan of this program. Yeah, and a respected veteran at that. Uh, <laughs> on the podcast today, we have Lee Birnbaum, blogger at Kids in the Stairwell and transportation economist at the United States Department of Transportation. Welcome, Lee. Thank you. And I, uh, I will be uh, in instructed by my legal department to disclaim that uh, everything I say today is speaking as me and do not speak for the United States Department of Transportation in any way. Uh, and that would be terrifying if it was true. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we, we, yeah, we haven't had a representative for U.S. DOT here before. Um, so today is not that day, unfortunately. But um, we have a lot of exciting things to talk about. We're going to go in a little bit different direction today. Usually we're very much in the nuts and bolts of transit and transportation policy and and this is a topic that is a little more personal to a lot of people i don't know how many of our listeners are uh, parents actively engaged in taking their kids on transit or thinking about it uh, i am i have two kids um ages three and uh, as my son as my three-year-old says and zero um <laughs> so she's she's now just about three weeks old the youngest one amazing and yeah. uh, and so and and we have and, and scott you all, what, what, what age is your 20 months 20 months yeah. um is his daughter and lee and lee how old are your children i have two children one is uh, also three and uh my son is 11 months old yeah okay. I, i'm the proud father of two cats but uh <laughs> can't but, take them on the team <laughs> well i can but you know in cages but but they but i i grew up as a child who grew up on the subway my the, my my biography on the on the transit matters website is that i came into transit by way of being somebody who grew up in flushing uh, flushing queens new york and every day after i think i don't know maybe even since i was born my mom worked nights and my dad worked days and they would take me on their morning commute and then they'd exchange me at either you know lexington avenue on the uh the nqr or the or queensborough plaza depending on what the weather was like that day mm-hmm. uh and so uh i have a very deep personal connection to transit and so like i'm kind of coming full circle as a as somebody who is you know through you know i'm a young young professional and i'm looking to maybe at some point settle down in the next mm. couple of years so so yeah i remember in one of in in when marty walsh got elected in that in that um election in one of the, the debates or maybe it was an interview leading up to it i think it was um uh, dan Connolly. am i getting the name right i think it's dan Connolly was was one of the other um competitors in the race and he mentioned something about um well, you know, we were talking about transit, and you're saying, you know, but of course, you know, once people have kids, you know, they they have to get then cars get car. and they move further Actually. out, you know. So we need to think about more than just transit, and that is one of the things that has stuck with me. Um, a grit, you know, it's it stuck with me because, um, you know, as I've gone through that own curve of life myself, you know, we've often thought, I I get philosophical about it because I feel like cars are sort of kind of what 
gives us this idea that because we can go long distances, like we should. (laughs) And so then as parents, we sort of allow ourselves. I think a lot of it is the culture around us. We get get ourselves roped into traveling soccer and gymnastics on the Mm -hmm. other side of town or something like that. And we get ourselves signed up for all these things as opposed to just doing what is, you know, within a few blocks of your house. And so there's, you know, one of the things, and I know I'm getting way off topic here, but one of the things that happens when we have a, a landscape that is designed for vehicular travel and people are going here and there is then your local spot becomes atrophied right. of a lot of the amenities that you would need for your kids. But even if you want to give your kids ultimate, like if you want to be, a, I guess, I guess they're calling it now free, uh, free range, free range parent, right. parenting, just, just parenting. If you were <laughs> a parent, parents. <laughs> uh, I mean, giving your child, you're giving your children the independence to like, that's, that's what I had. I had the independence to, I, I couldn't exactly go into Manhattan on my own on the subway, but I could take the local buses to get, from my school in in Whitestone, Queens, to I mean, it was a school bus, but then I could take local transit around. I could take the seven train, uh, and these were these were things that I was allowed to do. But as I mean, how do you get your? How do you allow your child if you live in Roxbury? How do you allow your child the uh, ability to get to soccer games uh, if the soccer game is up in Lynn? I mean, I mean, I guess the kid just never makes it yep. to the soccer game. Well, there's a lot. One of the things yeah. that you touched on in, in the blog, and I'm going to let you talk in just a second. Yeah, Leah, I promise. I promise you get to talk. Um, but one of the things that, that I think your wife was the one that, that um, did the kind of the first post on, on kids in transit was talking about, you know, there's some purposeful decisions you have to make. You yeah. know, having the car a lot of times is liberating, and I'll let you talk about that. Um, but also it means that you have to be willing to make decisions about things you're not going to do yeah. in your life in order to open yourself up for all the other things that, that you can do without having a car. So I think the initial thing, because most people's f- family and parents, which is where you get sort of your ideas of what you're supposed to be doing as a parent and your close friends, a, a lot of those people have just always had cars or they, of course, had cars and they had kids and they just have assumptions about how you're going to be as a parent. And so I'm wondering, um, you know, if we're going to turn that on its head today, turning this over to you, Lee, you know, what got you interested in blogging about this and... Um, and how did you begin to um, to deal with sort of those assumptions? And so, indeed, that's exactly how we got into this. Um, so, I grew up in the the deep, deep suburbs of, of St. Louis County, um, where everyone had a car and they couldn't walk. I mean, we had sidewalks. I mean, that was you know better than the folks out further west. Mm. But but that's just decoration, <clears throat> right? Yeah. You know, you can take a walk around the block or jog, but that was kind of about it. Yeah. Um, and so when, um, when I went to graduate school in London, it was really, uh, uh, the word that I always used actually was liberating and that I didn't have to have a car. I could get anywhere whenever I wanted. And, you know, in my young twenties, the idea of not having to worry about how to get home when, Mm. Uh, when you've been drinking and you know that was, oh you did some of that in your 20s you know it does happen <laughs> do people um, do that particularly uh particularly what, what are 20s yeah <laughs> um and so it, it specifically came, uh, felt liberating to not have a car um and so then when i moved to boston um you know i knew i wasn't going to be in london but it certainly seemed plausible and, and zip car was still pretty new at the time mm-hmm. and uh something that i gave a, a shot at um and so I became very attached to the car-free lifestyle at that point, and in the meantime, I had met my wife, who who felt similarly. Um, and we lived in Alston, we lived in Cambridge, um, where we had the opportunity that a lot of people don't have necessarily to observe families interacting uh, using transit or using you know no cars or only one car, uh, depending on you know commutes and the like. Um, and so it seemed like something that was plausible. But then once it came time to have 
when we actually were expecting our first child and you start looking for, okay, well, what's the car seat that you got to get? Because, you know, it's very important to pick the right car seat. And, you know, what, what's the strollers out there? What's and, the safest car seat? Right. Mm-hmm. Safest, but, all, you know, there's a lot of things to worry about when, <laughs> with that. Um, and they'll tell you that you have to worry. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we found ourselves saying, well, but that's great that this car seat, you know, can withstand an impact at 150 miles an hour. Well, but I'm never <laughs> Right. But I'm never... On the highway. Right. And how do I install that in a zip car, right. you know, without having to go to the police station each time to get it installed? Yeah. Uh, and so it turns out there aren't a lot of people, you know, out there doing reviews who speak about the features that are important if you need to keep things on the go. If you live in a small apartment where space is at a premium, um, and particularly with some of the things that are transportation related, the default that we tend to go to of, well, what do the folks in Europe or Japan do doesn't work because our transportation is different and our regulations are different. Um, and so we were sort of forced to do a lot of our original research. Um, and then as other friends of ours began to be also be having children and they began to get the sort of questions from their fa- from their parents and family back home saying, so this is when you're going to, you know, stop this cute thing about living in the city <laughs> and go yeah. get a real house now. Um, it, it was, it, we were able to provide them with, well, no, but this is a stroller that you can get on and off the bus with. And mm-hmm. This, you know, it's only 13 pounds. And, you know, this is the car seat that you can install in four or five minutes. Um, and these are things you can do to be able to heat a bottle while you're out and about because you don't have a trunk full of everything that you own. Mm. Um, and, you know, we started writing these extremely long emails. Um, and then we tried, you know, well, what if we set up an Amazon wish list? But, you know, it was confusing in that things would get shipped to us instead of them. Or, <laughs> right. um, and, and so that's how we eventually settled on on the blog format as a way to do it, uh, sort of with the, the hope that as many as, you know, a dozen people would someday read it. Um, <laughs> dozens. There are literally dozens yeah. of us. Well, right. for, for those following along at home, what's the web address Oh, again? sure, yeah. yeah. We are Kids, at the, kids in the Stairwell, mm-hmm. um, and uh, our URL is products.acrossb.com. I'll read that back, and the name is evident of the fact that we originally thought we were just sharing this with friends, but it is the <laughs> word products.acrossb, A-C-R-O-S-S-B, Got it. .com. Uh, you can also find us perhaps uh, more easily by Googling Kids in the Stairwell. I believe we show up at least in the top three. Um, <laughs> and on all of your favorite social media, we're on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and uh, and even Pinterest, as mm. that's where all the parenting things uh, happen these days. Mm. Yeah. It sounds like you've documented all of the things that I've never bothered to ask my parents about because I feel like these are all of the, I, I feel like growing up and thinking about this time, that one time that I got myself and my younger brother lost in Nordstrom because we were walking around, you know, the things like uh, the umbrella stroller that my mom and my dad used to carry me on the subway. Uh, sometimes I would, I remember throwing tantrums as a kid because I wanted them to open up the umbrella stroller, but it was during rush hour and they couldn't just put me on the stroller in the subway. Mm-hmm. But you know, being able to, to have that as a thing, my mom bringing me with the umbrella stroller going to the Central Park Zoo and uh, you know, heating up some formula for my, my, my little brother on the go. Uh, I mean, these are, these are so, so I mean, what, is your, what, is, <laughs> what has been the response to your blog? I mean, yeah, um, <laughs> with so, all the dozens of people who read it. <laughs> sure, uh, you know, 
so I kind of joked. We had assumed yeah. it was really just going to be friends, but we yeah. have found that there's a fair number of people who really have these questions. Several hundred dozens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so as we've been able to reach out to uh, people in our in our community and neighborhood and let them know that it's there, and then we've been fortunate enough that Streets Blog has picked up some of our, of our work, um, as well as some of the other parenting blogs, um, we are finding people not just in Boston, although with a heavy Boston uh, uh, bias, but in you know New York, Chicago, uh, the Bay Area, uh, bits of Canada, uh, where there really is a lot of interest in trying to figure out how to make this happen. Um, and uh, we've been been very pleased and very happy to know that we, uh, you know, if you go and Google how to pick a car seat and stroller, I think we show up in the top 20, 30 Google <laughs> results. Which, Wonderful. Well, hopefully you know, that'll begin affecting the way these things are designed. I mean, obviously, yeah. they, like, as you mentioned, you can go find the products in Europe or Japan, but they need to, you know, get over to here. Right. Do, do and even, reach out, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, even in the last three years since my daughter was born and then looking again at some of the products uh, when my son was born, there have been improvements on this. I think the idea that people are living in cities is catching on, and the fact that these are largely affluent people doesn't hurt uh, mm-hmm. the, that fact that people want to try to tap into that market. That's a good point. What So, so getting right to the heart of, um, you know, taking your kids on transit, um, what do parents need to know most about kids in transit or when they're beginning this? It's going to be okay. Because unlike what Mark said, like most, you know, right. most people can't ask their parents about this because their parents, you know, didn't have didn't, that experience. Right. Um, and, and New York has always been my example of a place where this all seems kind of, you know, no duh to them because yeah. even if you aren't a parent, you see people with kids on the train all the time, or you see kids alone on the train. Um, and I remember thinking that the very first time I went myself. Um, you know, when I was where are their parents? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, so for someone who's, who's approaching it, who lives, you know, even in the urban core or in one of the, you know, inner ring suburbs here, it's going to be okay. Um, <laughs> which is probably the best piece of parenting advice overall. It's going to um, <laughs> But you'll figure it out and you start mm. slow. Um, you know, we were, we were very cautious not knowing, you know, what we wanted to do. And it's kind of like, well, let's pick a, a trip in the middle of the day on the bus when we're only going to go a couple stops. And that way then we can walk home if something goes wrong. What if she <laughs> cries? And what if you know, what if I don't know where to stand and how do I flip up the seat? And, you know, all these, can I flip up the seat? Um, but for the most part, folks were pretty nice. People understood. There really are more families and kids out there than you experience if you're traditionally doing the sort of 9.30 to 6 o'clock commute. Um, you and, don't see as many of them, right? Yeah. Right. You know, kids wake up early. And so, you know, <laughs> the 64 bus at 7 a.m. has an awful lot of strollers on it. Um, but that isn't necessarily true on that 9.30 run. So guess what? Kids cry on the bus sometimes, and oh, life, wow. life continues to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I, I have to say, because my personal experience, and I'm on the, the buses, the 87, 77, 88, 89, coming out of Clarendon Hill and Mass Ave, um, I've had more than once bus uh, riders say, you're not getting that stroller on here, and refusing to accept during these peak times, 8 o'clock, 8.30 in the morning, refusing to accept a parent. Have you run into this, people reporting that? I have not had that specific issue. I've had mm-hmm. a couple bus drivers be reluctant. Um, But for the most part, actually, pretty good. Um, The folks who routinely sit up front on the bus, I think they know the the drill. Yeah, right. Um, And I even have a non-trivial number that'll help flip up the seats before I I get there. Oh, nice. Um, You know, it's a little bit tougher when you're at a strange time of day. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the buses we take also does school runs. And so when you have, you know, 75 11th graders on the bus, it can be um, a, a little bit tougher. But for the most part, I think it's been less bad with that um i've certainly had to bully on the green line actually more often just to get over into that sort of wheelchair securement area Mm. um where you know i've basically had to say you know we all want to get home 
the only way I'm not blocking the door yeah. is if I'm in here. And, uh, you know, uh, that's the luxury of, of being willing to be assertive about it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's truly, I think, one of the, the medium-term problems. And one of the things that I hope we do with the blog and, uh, and then with other advocacy that comes along with it is to the degree that we normalize being on the train uh, with kids, with a stroller, mm. to the degree that we normalize the idea that strollers don't have to be, you know, 50-pound, three-foot-wide behemoths, <laughs> you know, that it's not all the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that I can maneuver with my 13-pound light stroller and that I can get out of the way. And, you mm-hmm. know, the truth is that me and a child take up as much space as three people take up, which is not that asking all that much. Yeah. But uh, the green line, that blows my mind. So, you know, again, when we do, my partner works here in Kendall and Mm -hmm. we'll come in with the baby. Um, When I do it, I'll walk with her to Alewife. Just I know I'm going to get a spot and I'm going to, you know, this is my territory and and we'll get off at Kendall. Um, But she'll take the 77 and that's a busy bus Yep. in the morning coming in from Arlington and she'll get off at Porter and do that shuffle. I don't know why. It's just easier to get right on the train. But that's getting from platform level right into the train, not not so for the green line how do you manage that uh so it depends a lot on where you are on the green line yeah. um so for the very first time actually last week i, I encountered the e-line in the middle of the street mm-hmm. um with the stroller which i had not done i mean i I'd, I'd done it personally but never with the stroller and it hadn't clicked how yeah. difficult that was going to be um but elsewhere uh where they have at least the the proper platforms mm-hmm. um you know the procedure that you do is you find the low car train there's always Almost always. Almost, yeah. Hoping, yeah, on yeah. Sundays, that's not always the case. Right, but, but almost mm-hmm. always one high floor, one low floor, and you pay up front. Um, yeah. You can just you know reach up and tap. Even at five foot three, I can still reach and, and <laughs> yeah. tap the, uh, the the card reader. And then they'll open a back door for you, so you can just go up on the, the low step. Got it, okay. And with a reasonably maneuverable stroller, um, getting up that you know four or five that inches is not that, not that hard. Nice. Um, but it did take ask. I mean, when my wife was pregnant, I went up to a, a, relative, a driver on a relatively empty train and asked, what do I do? Yeah, what, what and, do you recommend? Right, right, and how do I tell you when it's time to get out, especially when we're doing front door only, mm-hmm. off peak? Yeah. Um, but those things aren't documented anywhere. Right. I mean, I mean, to be fair, you know, it's hard to find even if you are in a wheelchair what the, what the instructions are in most transit systems. So yeah. the fact that stroller instructions aren't there isn't surprising, but yeah. there really was no resource for that. And this is where I should plug on the site. We've got uh, one of our posts about uh, taking kids on the MBTA right. with instructions for many of the lines. And uh, we're happy to take feedback from folks who right. take the lines that we hit. We don't. I haven't been on a ferry yet with the kids. There you go, um, you taxis. Commuter rail? Yeah. Has commuter rail happened to you? Uh, I have not done that. So, I mean, I can guess to a large degree, but I have left mm. it blank given that I, I don't have any you know affirmative answers. Um, I know there's a lot more of the high platforms, which presumably help. I haven't but, found it to be a problem. Well, at least yeah. I've taken I've taken to- toddlers. I haven't taken an infant yet on commuter rail, but yeah. they pretty much always have a, a one platform that's, that's high-level boarding. Yeah. yeah. So th- w- one of the things, not, not to um, be condescending or derogatory or anything um, to anybody else, but I, I've definitely found for myself that having a stroller in transit in the city made me a lot more... Um, empathetic towards people with disabilities because mm-hmm. I had never thought before about how you navigate yep. um, so, some of the, the stations, the older, yep. the old government center station especially, but there's a lot of those stations there. You could technically say they're accessible, but it requires a labyrinth, you know, and like, I think, yeah. I think, I think, is it, um, Haymarket is, it, you have to take like four elevators or something yeah, like yeah. that add, to get to the orange line. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's, it, and, and the signage is horrible. And of course they all smell like urine. Yeah. Um, you know, there's that. And then there's just, you know, sidewalks in general and th- you know, just all the things that you never thought about before, um, get amplified. And, and thankfully I think as an able-bodied parent, a lot of times you, if going gets tough, you can fold up the stroller and 
you know, lug right. the kid, you know, for, for a few um, yeah. yards or something and like that. And we've bounced, but, you know, the first time we realized that uh, that Heinz was not accessible, you know, bounced the right. stroller up the stairs, um, which is not an option uh, about it. And it's something that, w- that we talk a little bit about the bl- in the blog as well. Um, your best bet for finding instructions is to the degree there are accessibility instructions. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's it's very... All the times you share an elevator with somebody who you realize, you know, in two years is not going to be able to, to stop using the elevator that smells right. like urine or right. to stop taking the circuitous route mm. um, or, you know, can't resort to just going up the stairs um, is very, very humbling and very frustrating. And, uh, and I know the MBT has done a lot, um, you know, to improve accessibility in the system. And, you know, the circuitous path at Park Street from the right to the green line is a lot better than it used to be with the new elevator. Um, but it, it, no, it, it's it's. I agree that it builds empathy, yep. and um, I, I guess my only hope out of it is that the presence of, again, relatively affluent young parents who, you know, are demanding the best for for, for their own transit accessibility will will help, um, you know, uh, indirectly at least help the people who, who truly need the, the, the improved accessibility on the system. Um, that's not the best reason to be doing it, but mm-hmm. it, there's some hope that maybe there's at least some economic drivers uh, so I'll, I'll have there. a few questions um, from a friend, by the way. You know, a friend um, m- may have had a question, you know, it, escalators, strollers and escalators, uh, yes or no? Uh, you know, the friend, yeah. this friend of mine would say, <laughs> if you could tip the stroller up and get the back wheels on that step, you're probably okay on the escalator. Um, mm-hmm. Other friends would say, you're the worst parent ever. So in a non-judgmental atmosphere, what would you say to my friend about the escalator? Well, the you're the best worst parent ever thing is, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a frustrating thing all out there for, for everything on the internet. And everyone has done something that makes someone else think that you're the worst parent ever. And, you know, that's the kind of judging and, uh, you know, this usually gets thrown around as mommy wars kind of thing. Mm. Um, so we got to put that one aside. Uh, you know, I haven't done it. I haven't had a situation, though, where it's been absolutely necessary um, by virtue of there being pretty good elevator coverage in the MBTA. And then a lightweight stroller enables me to feel like I can get down the stairs. Mm, um, right. And we don't have too much in the, I mean, you know, if I had to get down at Porter, things might yeah. be different, but we don't have a whole lot of particularly deep stations here, which might change my opinion if I was in Washington, D.C., if I was in uh, London, if I was in, I think Berlin's pretty deep. Um, There's some pretty, really terrible accessibility in the New York City subway yes. system. And so I, I remember as a kid also having to be toted up escalators because... It's just my mom, right? You know? What else are you gonna do? What? Yeah. And uh, the answer for New York these days is a baby carrier, yep. uh, which was not yeah. as popular, you know, some decades ago. Yeah, I've seen that a lot too. Um, um, it's, and, it's now mainly to carry the baby. Like yeah. That. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. You right. get. You know, <laughs> since direct. I started doing it, it, it is now mainly. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you have you have if if the child is facing you, you have a very intimate you know uh, connection with your child. If the child is facing out. So much the better. He or she is experiencing the world from a very interesting perspective. You've inadvertently stepped into one of the great internet debates in the parenting uh, world. Oh, oh facing interesting. In or out? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, I think, um, <laughs> you know, we talked about strollers a lot, and there's that's one of the things about being a parent is, of course, not that not that your blog is, you know, trumpeting consumerism or anything like that. Uh, rather, I think it seems more to be just trying to help people navigate, but. There, once you become a parent, it's one of those stages in life where people are just trying to figure out how to sell to you, right? Mm-hmm. And all the ways to scare you and that you have to buy this product mm-hmm. in order to keep your kids safe. And strollers are one of those ones where I kind of thought, you know, stroller and transit, you know, some of the things that you've pointed out are kind of the things that you might otherwise l- learn from, you know, the school of hard knocks, getting through transit. 
But I also felt, for me, uh, transit was definitely something that encouraged me to ditch the stroller as quickly as possible. You know, because not only is it hard to get around transit, regardless of situation, but also once your kid starts walking and stuff like that, they might not want to ride in the stroller anymore. You're stuck lugging a, a stroller around. You know, it can become a no point kid. of contention yeah. with you know. Uh, so right. indeed, yeah. uh, so my experience was heavily colored by by our local weather. Yeah. Uh, my daughter turned about eighteen months old when the snows began. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so we had been at that point practicing walking further and further, um, you know, first to the local park. And, you know, this speaks to all the things about living, you know, urbanly, that, yeah. you know, the local park was the first place that she walked to, you know, without needing any sort of great support and just holding a hand. And so, you know, we could do that and then we could get to the train station. Okay. Well, you know, when we get to school, like we don't have to get that far once we get off the, the train. So well, maybe we can try taking no stroller on the train one day. Um, and so we were at the point of doing about one day a week just to build that skill, to build learning to walk a little bit faster, to be a little less fascinated by every railing uh, <laughs> along the way um, so that it would be possible to do in the future. So then once the snows came and it was, well, you know, maybe in a couple of days the, the sidewalks will be better. You know, in the meantime, we'll, we'll walk and we'll just go slow. And then a couple of days later, of course, the sidewalks were not better and the snow kept coming. Uh, we found we had gone about 60, 70 days without using the stroller at all. And we were able to just say bye to it. And so at 18, 20 months old, you know, she was never in a stroller again. Hmm. Um, now, that's an extreme case and, you know, heavily influenced by, you know, hopefully once in a lifetime events. Um, but I think transit actually helps with that and it helps build into helps her build that independence. Um, because now we are not in, well, with the baby, we are again, but for a while we were unencumbered by the need to have a stroller to get wherever we wanted to go. Um, and it enabled us to have a lot more one-on-one time. She's not strapped to anything, um, not out of our line of sight. So that commute every day to, to daycare, you know, is time that we can spend with her instead of, you know, hoping to catch a glimpse through the rear view mirror, mm. um, you know, or worse yet when they're rear facing, you know, we drive sometimes. That, no, that's good. Kids, yeah. th- my experience is kids love riding on transit because it is infinitely interesting Mm -hmm. there's always something or someone to look at people totally (laughs) yeah kids love it oh i was gonna make a record my wife was trying to convince me to make a recording of my son um I just didn't get around to it, but because he can tell you how we get to different places in town, mm-hmm. you know, what bus line we would <laughs> nice. take and what, you know, green oh, line yeah. we would transfer to. <laughs> he knows these things and he's only three, you know, mm. so the kid, they just love it and they hate riding in cars. Yeah, I have they a hate it. I have personal experience as a kid who wrote <laughs> like, you know, who grew up like that. I, I gained my obsession of the New York City transit system as a daily commuter, mm. and, and I've and I've also had my own share of gaffes as a you know a toddler who didn't have a filter on the seven train, mm-hmm. you know, pointing out different people on the train. <laughs> but you know, uh, what's wrong with that man? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, well, my 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 gaff, my most my most terrible gaff was about a woman who was uh, on her way working on her weight, but. <laughs> oh, she wasn't pregnant? Is that what you were asking No, she about? was not pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, uh, I, this brings to one of the things yeah. uh, you had mentioned that in, in my wife's post about it, you make choices yeah. you know, about living in an urban environment. And this has been something that we've spent a lot of time, especially now that my, my daughter is also three. Um, it's an opportunity to really engage with people of all types. And so, you know, while Boston as a metropolitan area is pretty diverse, you know, it gets you know, pretty segregated in a lot of places. Um, and so by virtue of getting on that bus every day and interacting with people who don't look like us, who don't talk like us, 
um, it, it forces that opportunity and it forces the conversation about, you know, people look different, people act different, people speak different languages, um, and an opportunity to really engage, you know, as humans, instead of being just told, you know, in school, you know, everyone, everyone's equal, but you never see them. Mm. Um, and, and having that opportunity to live in a city, I think really makes a difference there. And it's one of the things that we particularly valued when choosing to, to stay urban, uh, while, while having kids. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that, um, just like living in a small apartment makes you really think carefully about what stuff you need. Um, especially when you have a kid, like, do you really need, you know, all those things? Mm -hmm. Um, when you're traveling on transit with kids, you have to think really carefully, like how much do you need to put in that diaper bag? <laughs> like how big of a diaper bag should you take? You know, if it's not going to be in the trunk, if you're going to have to lug it and then for your kids and you know, cause they want to take things with them and you have to counsel them, you know, yeah. do you want to, do you want to carry that little dump truck like all right. over town today? Is that what you want to do? <laughs> cause I'm going to have to carry that if you don't. <laughs> right. So one of the things I, I'm wondering also is, um, it's easier to live a carless or car light lifestyle in the city now with, with Zipcar and, mm -hmm. and Hubway and things like that. But, um, you know, let's say, you know, I can think of a few instances personally where you're on transit and um, there's either a breakdown or you have a, a bathroom emergency. You know, you didn't have enough diapers with you. Or uh, I remember one time in particular, um, there was major delays in the Greenland. We had to get to the airport, you know, so we'd get out of Arlington and like hail a cab or something like that. Now you're there with a kid. Okay. You, you had him in the stroller or, you know, with you. And um, you weren't planning on being in a car, right? Okay, what's what's a good parent to do? Can can you can you hold a kid in your lap? Do you can you buckle that you know stroller seat you know into the into the back of the Uber? Or You're really trying to pin him down, yeah, man. So I am on the this I'm not a lawyer. Once uh, again, a question from a friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty sure you're the one who's the lawyer, but um, my understanding is that the Massachusetts laws on this are ambiguous, um, and that uh, it says that a taxi driver will not be ticketed in the event that there is a child not in a car seat, but it is unclear whether that means the parent would be instead. But I think that, like all things with parenting, you have to make your choices about you know your way and risks, right? Um, and we do all do it all day, every day. And we do it when choosing to take transit instead of driving every day. And there's, you know, a risk in driving and nobody's ever going to judge somebody for, you know, taking their kid in a car. That's, that's just the American way. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you've got a bathroom emergency. You've got, you know, unexpected snow and you're able to find a, you know, a, a car that can get you home rather than, you know, three hour late bedtime, uh, you know, because of a, of a train problem or you're trying to make a plane, mm. you do what you need to do. Um, my daughter has ridden in my lap a couple of times. I didn't love it. Um, it wasn't my first choice, but it was better than the alternative. Yeah. And um, those are the things that you have to do. And I think every parent, you know, will understand having done that, whether it's with this thing or or something else. I think that's such a good point. People don't think twice about putting their kids in the most dangerous, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, vehicle possible, which is just any car, basically. Right, right. And, and yet, you know, when you're going to be traveling, you know, probably an average of 10 miles an hour on, like, city streets, you're made to feel guilty, like right. you're putting yeah. your child in, in mortal danger. <laughs> A cross-country road trip is an American institution, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, 80, 90 miles an hour. So what, um, hmm. um, what has been, I would say, maybe your best and worst transit experiences in what, whatever order you'd want to, um, with kids. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, one of the best was, I think one that I wasn't on, but we had a friend who was picking up my daughter from daycare 
Um, and she, you know, it's just kind of, you know, the kind of patter that you do with, with, with a toddler and, you know, oh, we're going to take the green line and the red line. And my daughter stopped her and said, you take the red line to the green line. <laughs> <laughs> you can't fool me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know where we're going. Right, right. <laughs> um, so that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, worst experiences, there are, uh, any parent experiences this, it's kind of magnified on, on transit. Um, you become public property and everybody has an opinion about the what way, mm-hmm. what your child is wearing and how they're seated mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what they're doing and, um, you know, the number of, of people who stop me and, you know, and tell me my child is too hot or too cold. Oh, yeah. Or, your child needs a hat or a coat or... Yeah. Right. Or when they're crying and they're hungry... And I know they're hungry and they tell me your child's hungry. It's like, well, <laughs> I have never really thought about these. The, uh, you really get feedback oh, my all the time. And mm. it's wow. people think they're entitled to comment. All right. right. Yeah. My understanding is that it is You're doing a lot easier for fathers than yeah. it is for mothers. Who, it's true. That starts when they're pregnant. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I think dads tend to let it roll off their back or they're just like, yeah, get away. Yeah. <laughs> right, um, right. But I did have one time I was uh, before we got our rolling car seat. Uh, which you can read more about on the site. Um, <laughs> I had uh, a large uh, car seat backpack, which in which I had mm-hmm. put a, uh, a a lightweight but extremely bulky car seat, um, and I had my daughter with me because we were trying to get to a zip car um, to to go. I don't remember where, and I had multiple people on that bus who were extremely upset with me that I was taking up all the space with the car seat, and that um, you know I had one guy tell me you know take a taxi, you know it's like well. It's public transit. Yeah, right, right, right. She's a citizen too. Like everything yeah. we buy for her goes pays sales taxes. Like, right. Um, yeah, and I had multiple people giving me their opinions on that ride, and it was kind of like, what is it that you want me to do? Mm-hmm. The other uh, thing that is uh, a tip, at least, because this didn't turn out to be the worst experience, is we uh, we got stuck trying to cross uh, the uh, Western or River Street Bridge um, when uh, the president was in town. And he was coming down the pike, and they stopped all traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was on the way home from work. And we had uh, my daughter was probably about nine months old at the time. And um, you know, we were all of a sudden starting to be late for dinner, starting to be late for milk, starting yep. to be late for bedtime. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the fact that we had some well-chosen snacks in the diaper bag uh, makes all the difference in that situation because. You never know what's going to happen. There will be a day that, you know, the president's in town or a signal problem or, uh, you know, pick your your, weather, whatever. Right. Yeah. We had we had a time when we it was uh, the first warm snap um, in the winter when my, my son was probably, you know, a little over a year, maybe. And so it was 40 degrees, and we walked, tried to come over to the List Visual Arts um, Gallery at MIT's campus, and it happened to be closed. And, uh, but we walked across the Mass Ave Bridge, which it was 40, but it felt like about 20 yeah. walking across that bridge. <laughs> and I had him in a little carrier, you know, on my chest. And we get there, and the gallery's closed. And so we try to we go to a coffee shop or whatever we do and waste some time. And they're trying to get back home. And um, uh, two buses refused to let us on board. Wow. Uh, they were completely full. This is a Sunday. <laughs> wow. <laughs> completely full. And then a cab driver refused to take us across because we only needed to go across the bridge. Yeah, right. And he right. was like, "Oh yeah, I'm, I already have you know somebody I'm supposed to pick up." You know, and refused to pick us up. And we're mm-hmm. like, "How do you we're like how do you turn down like parents with a kid? Yeah, you know, like right. in cold weather, twenty degree day." Yeah. So that's probably our, our worst. And you know, I think I think honestly the best is like pretty much any time you take transit, like kids just love it. Mm. And if you can go to a station where there's lots of you know train watching and people watching and yeah. other modes, you know, they they love that. So. Yeah, we've learned a lot of useful skills. My daughter knows knows left and right from the from the train doors opening. And, <laughs> um, yeah. We've we've learned two digit numbers. Uh, That's true. Yeah. 
So can you talk just a little bit more? Because um, when I worked at Zipcar, that was the one reason that people would leave that we didn't have a good answer to. Mm-hmm. You know, you, oh, I'm, I'm moving to a place that doesn't have Zipcars or I bought my own car, moved to the burbs, whatever it was. Um, we could all, you know, we had something for that. But, oh, we have a kid. We would literally be like, oh, well, congratulations. You know, like there was nothing we could do. Goodbye. It, it <laughs> right. sounds like you've worked with them on on their car seat policy or something. Or, or was that? That'd be sort? wonderful. Yeah. Um, no, uh, back before I was Some, a parent, I'd been at a couple focus groups. Focus groups. Right, um, right, right. Okay. Where that wasn't the topic. But I always mm-hmm. just dropped that as a like, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to have to leave X years from yeah, now. Yeah. So what What do you what's your guys' plan? Mm-hmm. Um, to which the answer was always kind of that same shrug of shoulders. Yeah, like, oh, we're not sure. Um, but there are some products on the market that help now. And so, you know, at the risk of dropping too many product names for which none of them pay me, but, um, <laughs> but there's, there's a couple of options that exist now. Um, so the, the, there's a car seat we talk about, um, called the Duna that is, uh, that also converts into a stroller. It's not a great everyday stroller, but for, you're going to talk about you're walking a quarter of a mile to the zip car, um, okay. you know, this way. You know, you can roll there. You can still carry your diaper bag on your shoulder or whatever it is that, you know, other stuff you need to hold another child's hand if you've got two. Um, much better than 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 carrying, you know, one of those bucket seats uh, where a quarter those of a mile. Those things are sudden, heavy. Those yeah, buckets are hard to carry. Suddenly becomes a very long way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the bigger kids, uh, you can actually thank the folks at Uber. Um, they commissioned the creation of a car seat called the Imigo. Um, that's in use uh, for, uh, there's something called Uber Family, I believe it's what it's called. It exists in a few cities, not Boston, where you can request an Uber with a car seat. Um, and so they worked with these folks at IMI who makes a variety of safety equipment for, for other things, um, like boat latches and mm-hmm. fire truck safety belts and the like, um, to develop a folding, uh, lightweight, compact car seat um, that you can install. And I've got it in about four minutes now. Um, and we uh, attached a messenger bag strap to it, and you can just, I mean, I use it on the train and bus, you know, if I've got a, um, you know, if we're going to take a car, like a one-way zip car the mm-hmm. other way or something. That's um, cool. that's, that's great, and that's something that zip cars should look into, um, having that in well-positioned zip cars, and, yeah. and that, could, that could be on the app. It could say, you know, these cars with whatever star have a car seat in them already. Be, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. The trunk, and you can just unfold it and put it in the seat. Yep, that'd be great. Um, neither of those options are cheap. I'll I'll say that. And so something like Zipcar having it would actually be uh, extremely valuable. Plus, you don't, even if it's lightweight, you're still having to lug it around. You may or may not use it. Yep. Yep. Well, so I want to go quickly roll back to that feed, that unsolicited feedback (laughs) that you were getting. So as much, as much as kids being on transit helps them adjust to and uh, experience the world and and understand it and rationalize it, uh, how much of that feedback do you feel is also solicit is a product of people not being normalized to kids on transit here in Boston what is your family's experience outside of Boston do you get more feedback do you get less feedback do you get different kinds of feedback um so the caveat being that we haven't been to to New York which uh, since my daughter was very, very little, um, which is just a different place when it comes to transit. Yeah. Kind of, that's true for all, all situations. <laughs> um, it's pretty much the same. I think this idea of families and, and pregnant women as public property is sort of pervasive and problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I guess the answer is I don't know that we get it more on transit than we do walking down the street. Interesting. Um, Because you also get plenty of that. I remember our daughter was, you know, a week or two old and somebody stopped and wanted to, you know, oh, you know, how cute. And that's a nice conversation. And then it's like, what hospital was she born in? (laughs) Why? Why is this? Was it a a C-section or, you know? Yeah. So, you know, that's a good, you know, I will say though, Mark, I would say for every bad comment I got, you got, you got lots of, like, a lot of people were very warm and Mm -hmm. just wanted to smile Mm -hmm. and coo at the baby and you got a lot of positive attention too one thing i wanted to to think a little bit about because i know we have a few minutes left about policy and um we always try to think about that a little bit here i remember um was this when they were around the same time i feel like they were doing the 2013 fare increase maybe it was shortly after maybe it was after i had my son was born in 2013 it's probably around then then um the t proposed not allowing strollers on I guess on anything, yeah, I think maybe right. was what it was yeah. during rush hour. Right. And it, you, you, if you were to have a stroller, it had to fold up. It's kind of like a folding bike policy, basically. Right. Like, and it had to be folded up. And I was like, there's very few things that have enraged me, you know? And I was like, <laughs> how dare you? You know, cause you got a sleeping kid and then we should take it out and then fold up the stroller and then juggle. Yeah. And I don't hold, have enough like, hands for this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Not enough hands. And I had a coworker, I commented on this and this is probably my worst transit experience was not actually on transit, but a coworker was like, lumping people with strollers on the tee in the same category as people with like huge backpacks. And I know you've done both you right. mentioned, but um, you know, as far as like, they shouldn't be allowed, you shouldn't be allowed to take kids on trains. And I was like, Oh, so as soon as I have a kid, I'm supposed to get a suburban and move to the suburbs, you mm, know, but right. um, you know, policy wise, I don't know if you remember that and what the outcome was from that, but um, wh- what things can be done if you want to comment on that first and then what, what can, what should we be doing policy-wise to encourage, you know, kids and transit and families to be taking transit? Um, so to a large degree, obviously, the things we're doing for accessibility are, are a great start. Um, but if you look at um, bus designs, there's definitely things that can be improved um, or, or on the train. Uh, the, the brand new buses, if you had the opportunity to take any of them, um, have sort of a well that appears to be just for a stroller. Um, and it's next to a seat so that if you've got another kid, there's a place for them to sit. So. You know, those are sort of the, the long-term things that can be improved. Um, I mean, this idea of, you know, we don't want to, you know, allow strollers on trains in the middle, you know, and during rush hour is, is insanity if we're going to have parents who work, um, which is something that I think, you know, especially in the, the inner sub, the inner uh, core, uh, something that you have a lot of working to parent families. And, uh, you know, and, and in a lot of cases, it is overtly chosen. It was definitely desirable in our case. So, um the kids have to go somewhere. Um, I, I think it comes from, it's extremely hard to understand what it means to be a parent before you are one. And while I can't speak to the second part of it, it seems like it's a little bit hard to remember once your kids are grown. And I think that that visceral feeling of, you know, well, what am I going to do? Or how would you do it? It's very hard to get yourself into if you don't have a small child. Um, and it's one of those reasons why, you know, groups like Transit Matters and, and, and others, you know, need to speak up for, you know, this is a community of people who have just as much reason to be on transit um, as anyone else. Um, and in fact, it's probably a long-term responsible thing to be doing. Um, but it is hard. And, you know, some of it is just, you know, equipment. Low floor buses and trains help and flip up seats help. And you look at some cities where... Um, you know, where they have rail cars, where the seats are default flip up. So, it, you know, that, that, that case is just to give more standing room. Mm. Um, but it also provides a natural place for a stroller to be. And in some of those cases also doesn't prevent a stroller from taking up the space designed for a wheelchair. If you have somebody who has a mobility device. Um, so those are the sort of bigger equipment types of things that can help. Um, and then, yeah, I just think some number of us being uh, assertive, 
you know, goes a long way to allow those who don't want to make it their personal hobby horse to feel comfortable. You know, I think I, that's a really great point I hadn't thought about, um, about the bus design, because I do often, you know, it seems like most of our bus lines are pretty crowded. Mm. And I've been thinking a lot about how they should have the seat layout on, on those buses and on the green line to be more similar to the other heavy rail, you know, rapid transit where the seats are on the side. And there's fewer seats, but there's more standing room in the middle. Some of the newer buses that we've ordered from uh, uh, that we that recently came in, um, rather than two by two, they they seat uh, one by two. So theoretically, you could have a stroller next to you in the aisle as as a seated parent uh, in one of the singleton seats on the left side of the bus. But uh, but no, absolutely. There's there's on the one hand, yes, it 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 helps you uh, as a parent. You happen to benefit also from the accessibility features that are designed for people with dis- persons with disabilities, but also, uh, I mean, just making making transit more family friendly also goes in hand in hand with making transit more frequent for everybody. Right. You know, the the family who who does want their kids to be able to get to uh, to school and back and go to clubs and sports games and all mm-hmm. this that and the other thing. Um, you know, being able to rely on freq- frequent and reliable transportation. Right. Ideally, the you know you don't ever want to have to deal with signal problems. I mean, the worst. I think the worst problem we should be dealing with is uh, bureaucrats coming to town from from the capital and, right. and stopping up traffic. But as a professional bureaucrat, I'll uh, I'll let that slide. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it, it, I think the liberation of transit comes from frequency right. from. Uh, from reliability and from high capacity. And so that's the latter part is actually the thing that specifically helps with the fact that families can take up a little bit of extra space. And it's a lot harder to notice when there's a lot more capacity. When the, tra- when the buses or trains are coming frequently enough that they're not at crush loads, when there's physical space to stand in um, for a child who's learning to stand on a bus or train um, to be able to you know sway a little bit and fall a little bit. Um, you know, those things help and they build all these skills. Um, and then I think it helps everyone remember that we're part of a community. I mean, that's, you know, when you live in yeah. a city, we are part of it. it. We're reminded all day, every day that we're part of a society, right? You know, people leave toys at the park for other kids who are there. And, uh, you know, my daughter learned to use a tricycle and a balance bike on, you know, on toys that were left there, you know, by other parents who didn't need them anymore. Um, and that was wonderful. And the fact that people do that in Brookline, I'm not sure. When we lived in Cambridge, we definitely noted that um, and, and, and thought it was a very nice uh, part of being yeah. part of a community. And that um, th- there's, there's all these places where, you know, by virtue of being there as a family, you, you become an active part of the community. Um, and it's, uh, it, it's, I think it helps build an understanding of what it means to live in an urban place that we share things. And so we, because we are members of Zipcar, you know, when my daughter asks, you know, well, you know, grandma and grandpa have their own car. Why don't we have a car? I said, well, we share one with our neighbors. And she now identifies that they all have the Z on the side yep. and, you know, she'll go around town and point out like, this is a car we share with our neighbors and this is a car we share with our neighbors. <laughs> yep, and, yep. That's great. Um, you know, and so I think that helps for, for the kids as well to, this idea of we are a society we're all in this together Mm. and uh you know and and it's still an entirely capitalist way to do it right we're paying by the hour uh sharing is not really even the best part way to describe it (laughs) right so uh quick question because um when we think about how policy decisions are driven they're driven by data ideally does the t does anybody know does the t keep any data in terms of of stroller ridership no uh it i i know that they're they're keeping a lot of information 
they're doing a lot of customer surveys, mm. but none of the customer surveys or focus groups that I've been participated in or, or taken have explicitly done any polls about um, parents on, on the T. Again, I think part of that just comes with it, parents, family, families using transit isn't a normalized thing, or mm. it's, not, it's not, it's something that you go that we take for granted. Well, we only think about it for commuting when you right, think right. about it. Or yeah. for going to the Sox game. Right, right. yes. Right. <laughs> so yeah, maybe, that's something, maybe that's another point of, of action for, for, the, for us and for the T to, to explicitly drag this information out there and, and, and find out what policy, policy decisions they can make based on the yeah. information that they're not collecting. Right and I would now. assume they have no way of knowing how many children overall are on, given that kids are free uh, right. with an adult right. up to, and I should know because I yeah. wrote it down on our well, site. 12, up to 12. Um, yeah, I mean, so there's no Charlie card information at all on any of these kids, and I look like any other commuter despite the fact, you know, in the data, despite yeah. the fact mm-hmm. that I've got a stroller and a kid holding my hand every time I walk through a fair gate. Right. Well, they I'm do. Don't they do of, audits of how many bikes? So, well, as um, yeah, yeah same, same I think they might. And as for as for like actually counting kids, I mean, the the automated passenger counters don't. They they rely on automated passenger counts less than, uh, on buses at least, sure. and less than the um the the, the fare taps. But mm-hmm. I mean, but they still wouldn't know. They child wouldn't, versus yeah, not exactly versus I, I guess Faravader, given that <laughs> or fair, right, right, right exactly. given that somebody got on and not enough. Uh, Fares were collected. But this could perhaps be um, um, something that your blog brings into the conversation. It's like, let's right. figure out a way to collect this data. Let's sure. build a coalition with uh, persons with disabilities, the elderly, and all of a sudden parents now, now we're a bigger block. And now maybe we can force some, some greater change. That's, That's a really good point. I, and I also think, you know, so... We just said it just a second ago. Kids ride for East. That's that's the biggest incentive. And one of the things that, that your wife mentioned, and did you say her name earlier? I'm sorry. Her name is Dina. Dina, uh, yeah. yeah. So one of the things you're, you're, that Dina said in one of her original posts was she was mentioning how not having a car saves so much money. And I would say probably in Boston, roughly 10000 a year. I think nationwide, yeah. the average is 6000 a year per car yeah, have to put that is what the cost here, is. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, especially, I mean, insurance is astronomical and there's, there's all the costs along with it. So from a policy perspective, we're often thinking in silos, like, well, housing is expensive, you know, but it's, it's a basket of goods for a family. And I, I said this before, mm-hmm. but whatever we can do to help parents have transit options and not feel like they have to buy that car and have that car because we know once they have it, they're going to take lots of trips in it, which is costly for society. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Even if housing is more expensive, if people don't have to have cars, then that's saving a ton of money in the family budget that they can go to food and daycare because daycare is also too expensive. <laughs> if the housing uh, exists. For right. And well, that's the other thing is, is how far out do you have to live to be able to afford a two-bedroom or three-bedroom you know, um, house or apartment? And then thinking about, well, do we have the amenity? Is there a daycare close enough? Is there the doctor close enough? Because the best transit trip is the one that's not taken. Honestly, I mean, you know, mm. right? The one that the one that you can walk to is really, you know, those we have to think about. If if the things are close enough that we can walk to, then that's just giving more capacity to our system overall. Yeah. And um, you know, I mean, you joked about you know Brookline, but that was definitely part of what made Brookline affordable was the idea that we would not have a car um, because you add up all those expenses um, and all the time that you also spend. Uh, doing car things uh you know i will say that during the giant snowstorm we didn't dig a single car out of the snow at any point (laughs) um which is not just a one person activity to dig but now the second parent the second person to watch the kid while you're digging um and that's all you know real time and as a result i'm an economist real money um but uh uh totally forgot what i was gonna say um well well, that, that's yeah, probably a good sure. point to wrap it up here. That's all the time we have today. Thanks for joining us, Lee. You can find out more about urban car light living as a family with kids 
at products.acrossb, as in boy, dot com. If you're a Redditor, subscribe to the MBTA subreddit. That's mbta.reddit.com. Post news and keep the conversation going here. What do you, how do you feel as a parent on the T? What, start some conversations there, because I'm sure that there's plenty of folks out there who have similar questions. Um, you can follow me, Mark Ibunya, at Digital Guy. You can follow me, Josh Fairchild, at Hatchback31. And I am at MixMasterMully, M-U-L-L-Y. And you can find Kids in the Stairwell most easily by Googling Kids in the Stairwell. Um, and we're also on Twitter at The Stairwell. Cool. And uh, do you do you have a guest that you'd like to fe- us to feature on this podcast? Some podcasting tips, construction feed, uh, constructive feedback, and com- compliments? Drop us an email at feedback at transitmatters.info. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Google Play to catch this and other episodes. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook for updates and visit our website, transitmatters.info, for more news, subscribe for updates, or learn about our volunteer opportunities. Thanks again for joining us today, and tune in next time because Transit Matters. Transit Matters.